My name is Projeet Mukherjee, and welcome to Season 3 of On Soccer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to season three, episode four of the On Soccer podcast. Today, we have a guest that I'm really excited for, someone I've been a huge fan of, especially since that legendary 2018 Atlanta United season. He's had experience for um, playing in Liga Emekis as well, you know, growing up in, uh, and uh, starting his career in Portugal. And, you know, he's definitely been in a lot of places now, working in soccer mentoring in Atlanta itself. But, you know, please welcome a great guest that I'm really excited for, Greg Garza. How are you doing today, Greg? Good, good. Thank you for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. Of course, man. No, definitely appreciate you making the time and, you know, very excited to get into sort of, you know, your story and, how, like, like, you know, just your career in MLS and abroad and whatnot. So I, I guess like the way that we usually like to start episodes is just getting into your soccer origin story. So I guess just to like briefly like uh, sum it up, you know, when did you first become interested in the game and what kind of like players, influences did you have early on? And was there like a specific time where you realized, you know, I will become a pro one day? Like, was it, was there a time I just clicked or how did that? Yeah, of course. Uh, man, to be honest, I was, I was probably a better baseball player than I was oh, wow. a soccer player when I was a kid, uh, played shortstop leadoff hitter, um, was really fast around the bases, just had the mindset for it. And I think, I think ultimately, you know, baseball essentially helped uh, with, with uh, you know, the soccer mentality and kind of, uh, the reaction time and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I probably, I played soccer regularly. It was more so, you know, nowadays kids aren't able to really do seasonal, uh, you know, you have to, nowadays kids have to choose by the age of seven, eight, uh, what, what sport they truly want to do if they don't want to do it recreational anymore. Um, but, but in my, in my era, I, I usually did baseball one season and soccer the other season. Then it got to a point to where I was just doing soccer all year round. Um, and when I was about 11 years old, uh, I had my first mentor and, and almost like a father figure to me, um, the opportunity to go to Brazil um, and uh, go on trial there at Sao Paulo and ultimately went um, and ended up staying there for about two years. So that's, I guess that's kind of where my first journey or sacrifice uh, made within uh, obviously wanting to become a professional soccer player being my dream. Um, but, but ultimately uh, started at, at my path in, in that moment, moving to Brazil at the age of 12. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely makes sense. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because we've had some like people who've played an MLS before on the show as well. And like, you know, I guess there's a lot of like different paths to get there, whether it's through the collegiate route, whether it's through MLS academies, whether it's through going abroad, you know, making that early decision to go to a completely different country to sort of, you know, being very young, especially at the age of 12. I'm wondering, I guess, like, um, what was the thought process behind, you know, going abroad and like sort of like, you know, choosing the academy route in like Brazil or Portugal, even later in your career over like staying in the U.S. and going to college? Yeah, route? Of course, I think uh, I think anything in life is all about opportunities, right? You have to follow what opportunities are there in front of you. Uh, you know, fortunate enough, I had that opportunity right in front of me and I took it and grabbed onto it and uh, didn't let go. I knew that was going to be the uh, first initial sacrifice of wanting to uh, ultimately have my dream come true. And, um, you know, I, I, at the age of 12, I was, uh, you know, this kid from Dallas that was expected to, you know, maybe not become the biggest, big, biggest and best thing in the future. But, uh, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that, that were watching me 
Um, and when I got to Brazil, I realized that I, I sucked. Um, <laughs> I was not very good at all. Um, you know, you had the likes of Oscar who played at, uh, you know, who played at Chelsea yep. uh, that was on my team. You had Casemiro who was on the younger squad. Wow. Um, you had a lot of guys that were coming up through the ranks and I realized the hunger intensity, uh, all different, different, you know, assets and, and aspects of what made those guys in Brazil be the best. And, um, you know, that was a huge eye opener for me and just, you know, learning a different language, uh, understanding the values and morals, uh, on and off the field and just seeing, uh, you know, different culture of, you know, soccer being more of a, of a, of a religion rather than just, um, you know, a hobby or, or something to do in your spare time it was more so those, those kids ultimately knew that, that soccer might have been their only way out of uh, certain situations or circumstances that those kids were also living in. So that was a huge eye opener for me. I think I grew up very quickly um, in, in, in my own world and path within soccer. And, uh, you know, a huge, huge thanks to my my mentor who, um, who is not with us today, but, you know, he really set that up for me and allowed me to have that opportunity. And ultimately, um, you know, I always tell my mentees or I always tell people without that, um, I wouldn't have been able to, to create my own success. Yeah, no. And it's, you know, I definitely find that like, you know, like pathway towards a pro career, very interesting and, you know, comes with a lot of different challenges, maybe different like pros, cons, you know, there's like plenty, plenty of different ways to get there, I guess. You bring up this fact that there's like a big culture shock from the fact that like, you know, soccer is like a religion, especially over in like Brazil, um, or like, you know, wherever in South America and whatnot. Um, I'm wondering, was the bigger shock to you, like the tactical shock in terms of like, oh, the quality of these players are like so different, like they play tactically so different, or was the bigger shock going there and like dealing with like the type of culture that's there that's associated with football, I guess? Well, I think for me, it was, it was, it was more so just developing as, as almost as a human being, right? Mm, um, yeah. You know, learning things off the field, learning a different language, learning how to adapt, learning um, you know, how to, uh, live with people who, who are brought up differently. Um, you know, ultimately that's what, you know, within the professional soccer world, that's what a locker room is. Um, a locker room is built of, of, of all different cultures, guys from all over the place. And, um, I was bred into that from a very young age and so understood the, the, the values that went behind that of the teamwork of all these different things that were, were behind. And obviously, um, you know, I was getting some of the best training in the whole entire world. You know, I think, I think Brazil is probably well known for producing some of the best players ever to play the game of soccer and um, the most talented players. And, and, and it really reflected on the way that I probably ended up carrying myself off the field, but also, um, you know, the talent that continued to grow on the field as well and the development. I understood that, you know, those those were certain responsibilities and accountabilities that I had to take into perspective um, and into consideration growing up and understanding, OK, this is truly what I want. Um, the, these guys know what it takes. Got it. Yeah, no, definitely makes sense. And very unique and interesting to hear. Definitely, I would say. So, you know, we, we know that you went to Brazil at age 12 now. Um, you know, I, I know you spent like a few years in like the academy there. I know that your first pro contract was, and forgive me if I butchered the name, but is it Estoril Praia in Portugal? So my first pro contract, I actually signed with Sporting Lisbon, even though I'd never debuted. Okay, got um, it. So I became, I became a pro at, you know, almost turning 17. So I was just about 16 years old sure. um, and, and, and kind of finished my youth ranks there, but even though I had already signed a professional contract, I mean, we were like the, uh, I guess you could say like the Atlanta United too. Um, that's sure. what it was. Um, so just on the reserve team. And then, um, yeah, then after that went to surreal Praia um, at the age of almost 19 and then uh, finished a year there and then uh, almost, almost quit soccer after that. Um, went on trial, all different places all around the world, uh, failed tremendously all, all around of those different places and horrifically. 
Um, and then uh, I had the opportunity, uh, was still involved with the national team, was still involved with the under 23s, the Olympic team, the under 20, uh, the under 20 national team did not qualify for the under 20 World Cup um, in Guatemala, but ultimately had teams watch me there and uh, Tijuana was one of those teams. So um, had that opportunity. Um, still at the age of, of, of 19, uh, probably about 20 to, to, to have that opportunity to sign back on with a professional team. And then ultimately, you know, the, the rest is history. No. Yeah. It's definitely like, you know, very much a grind and like, like the story of like, and the mental, I guess, solitude it takes to like, you know, have the determination to like still go after that pro contract that I think is something that's very like, you know, admirable. And like, you know, it reminds me of, we had like Bobby Warsh on the show, uh, uh, last season or a couple of seasons ago, I think. And he has a book about his time at like um, playing in Dallas and the USL and about how like the mental side of the game was something that really affected him, you know, especially even post-career. So I guess, you know, you're at the age of 19, you have this like contract um, um, in Portugal for Estoril Praia, but then, you know, things aren't sort of guaranteed for your future there. In your mind, was it sort of like, I know that, you know, like, like was, I guess, was, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, was it more like, I know that I will be a professional and I'll do whatever it takes to get there? Or were you at a stage where it's like, you know, like the options aren't coming. We'll see if anything happens, but like, you know, like you weren't like yeah, married to the idea. The, the options, the options were there. I had the option to uh, still sign a two-year contract within, uh, with an SRL prior. And I said, no, uh, I wanted something wow. new, I wanted something different. I wanted a new opportunity. I wasn't getting much playing time. Uh, I wasn't given the opportunity and just thought to myself, okay, I, I need to, need to find a, a different place. And um, I went on tryouts to so many different places. I mean, all the different yeah. countries I went to to and, um, like oh, I said, failed tremendously. And so um, it was just more so of continuously thinking, okay, that next opportunity is going to be the most important one. I mean, ultimately led me to uh, Mexico and, and and everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, I think that decision, I look back and, 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 and think to myself, okay, that was probably the best decision I could have made within my career, because if I would have stayed at Estoril, that team, ultimately that same season, they, uh, they went from the second division to the first division. But, um, you know, I truly made my career, I truly made my name for myself um, playing in Mexico. So um, a lot of patience, I think, you know, perseverance, the resilience that you go through. Um, you know, I think every every soccer player's story is probably very similar, um, you know, with all the adversity that you go through, the business transactions that are there, stuff that, that people don't see off the field um, that, that kind of happened that, that really shaped the type of person that you are, the, the type of person that you kind of carry yourself to be, um, on and off the field. And, uh, you know, I think that really reflected the way that I played. Um, and, and, you know, I, I gave it my all every single game, gave it my all every single training, gave it my all every single play, um, which is probably why I had so many injuries and surgeries within my career as well. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was my, my biggest passion, my biggest love in life. Um, and yeah, the mental aspect of it is, is, is so important, right? Not, not necessarily that not give up mentality, but just, uh, you know, the, 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 the patience factor and understanding opportunities and, and different things like that. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely makes sense. And then, you know, obviously, like we just talked about, you made your move to Tijuana. Um, I think it was like sort of like the first place within your pro career where you had like a, like string of like years of like consistent performances. I think you were there from like 2012 to 2017, sorry. Um, and, you know, you, you, you talk about how there's like a difference from at your situation at Estoril, like, you know, it wasn't guaranteed the playing time, like, the, I guess, like the spot with the team was a little bit, you know, um, not as clear, I guess. What do you think changed about um, about your move to Tijuana? Like, like, what about like the whether it's the coaches there, whether it's the, you know, people on this team that helped you out or like, what do you think sort of like helped you get into your groove and find that consistent? Uh, yeah. The perseverance and resilience is uh, there as well. You know, I think uh, I, I got there and still had to have that patience to to find a consistent role. 
Um, you know, I think, I think consistency, in my opinion, that word is so, uh, you know, misunderstood within the soccer world, because I think it sure. is, I think it is absolutely impossible for any player within the whole entire world to be a consistent player. Um, you know, I think there's so many ups and downs within our careers or so many ups and downs within just one game uh, that doesn't allow us to be consistent players. Um, I think one thing can be consistent, and that is specifically that mindset. Um, you know, that is specifically that understanding of the game. Uh, you know, that is that is what to me is is the true meaning of consistency within the world of soccer, uh, because everything else is 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 so inconsistent. Um, there's only a certain amount of things that you can, certain amount of factors that you can control. All the other factors are, are obviously those uncontrollable factors that we have no control over. So, um, you know, I think for me. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, within my life, within, you know, at that time in my family's life was just understanding the patience um, and just understanding when, when those opportunities came along that uh, I was obviously working towards that. I'd been working towards that my whole entire life um, and, and ultimately made the most of it. And then once, uh, once I was able to, I think, solidify myself um, within, within the team and, and, and then, uh, understand that more opportunities opened up, more doors of opportunities opened up with that as well. Um, you know, from, you know, not only playing in Tijuana, but I also played for Atlas when I was in Mexico as well. So, um, you know, there was, there was different opportunities that continue to open up, uh, but at the same time that, that inconsistency of going through certain surgeries or going through certain, uh, peaks and valleys within my career that, that, that shaped me as the player that I was and, and, and more so as the person. Gosh, yeah, you know, definitely sounds very cool. And, you know, like talking about like your pathway to how you got there, very interesting route as well. So, you know, we sort of talked about like the beginning of your career, how you established yourself in your time in Mexico. Obviously, this is a U.S. soccer podcast. And, you know, as I mentioned every episode, I feel like I'm a huge Atlanta United fan. So after your time in Tijuana, you spent like one season, I think, on loan at Atlas as well. I think 2017 rolls around and then you get acquired by Columbus and then loaned to Atlanta. Is that how it went or? Yeah. So I think Columbus had my discovery rights. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, who knows how that used to work and how I still yeah. work at times. Um, but yeah, I had the opportunity, you know, it was, uh, I was coming off probably the lowest low of my career before coming to Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had, I had gone through major hip reconstruction on both sides of my hips um, took a lot of sports hernias out and was, was out of the game for about a year and maybe two or three months. Um, and that was probably wow. the peak of my career where I was starting on the national team. I'd really solidified myself as a left back within the national team. I had tons of clubs in Europe after me, um, a lot of bigger clubs in Mexico, South America after me, um, and, and, and ultimately had to call, uh, call it quits and, and, and really focus on my body and, and, and the recovery process, which lasted a very long time. And, um, the choice to come to Atlanta was obviously uh, uh, probably not not a choice. Uh, it was probably more of a forced choice because within coming off uh, from injury, I was in a situation to where uh, Liga MX actually uh, created a circumstance and situation to where you could only have uh, 12 players um, be from a different nationality. And then they brought it down to 10 uh, players. Um, and within Tijuana, we had probably about 18 players that were a different nationality. Even though I had my Mexican passport, I was a dual citizen, but I got my Mexican passport after the age of 18 and you needed to get it before the age of 18. So I was considered a foreigner. Um, and so coming off of injury, not having much of opportunities and being a foreigner out of 18 different foreigners that were there um, and coming off of injury, there was absolutely no opportunity, no room for opportunity. 
And um, being acquired by Atlanta was probably my last resort in saying, okay, um, this is just this is just an opportunity to continue to play again. Um, you know, coming off such a, a the lowest low within my within my career. So um, that was that was a huge decision, a huge decision that ultimately led to probably the revival of my career and, and a lot of uh, other success and climbing up that totem pole. Um, and that ladder again of, of, of reaching the top, which, which uh, is not always easy, but like I said, I think every soccer player who's, who's won a trophy or done something special within their career, they can probably give you the same exact story of, 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 you know, the resilience, uh, you know, the patience, uh, the perseverance and all these different things that come in within, with any successful person. No. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think what you said earlier in terms of consistently consistency and, and like what it means in soccer, I think it definitely sort of like ties in there as well. Cause it's like, you know, players can be like in like the best form of their lives, but then, you know, that injury will just come in just like that. And it can take everything away very fast. And, you know, that mental, like, like fortitude that like you talk about is what leads to like, you know, either continuing the game or like finding other solutions and things like that. So it's definitely very admirable to hear. And I know that it must've been definitely a very tough, I guess, sort of phase to transition from, you know, having all this interest in you being at the sort of prime and then, you know, transitioning back to fitness from like a bad injury like that. I'm wondering, I guess, um, uh, what specifically about the Atlanta United project do you think like attracted you in the first place? Like was like, you know, like, 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 like the city itself, I know it didn't have like the MLS presence, but like that soccer passion, that like lower division, like um, I, I guess like, you know, that Atlanta Silverbacks teams like that, like that history is there. So after like, you know, you go through this like phase, you go through this period, what about like, you know, this specific team, this specific project made you be like, you know what, let's give it a shot. Uh, none of the above of what you just mentioned allowed me. Oh, to really? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea who the Atlanta Silverbacks were. Oh, really? <laughs> I had no idea that Atlanta United existed. That's uh, funny. It was just an opportunity. I think each awesome. and every Got you. Us, each and every one of us that were uh, hand selected for Atlanta United, I think we were all yeah. we were we all had the same idea. Uh, sure. Mark Bloom was probably the only guy that knew who the heck Atlanta Silverbacks were at the time. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think all of us, we had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what to expect. For me, it was an opportunity to play the game of soccer again. It was an opportunity to fall yeah. in love with something that I, I, I truly love to do each and every day and work towards something. Um, it was, like I said, it was an opportunity. I think that is the most important thing in life within soccer players' lives is always under the understanding the opportunity that's at, that's, that, that's at hand. Um, and, and it didn't matter to me. It could have been any other city within the MLS, uh, they gave me that opportunity and it just happened to fall in Atlanta's hands. Um, you know, and, 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 and what a way it did, because I think, uh, ultimately it led to uh, a lot of happy moments. It led to the revival of my career. And, uh, I think everybody from Atlanta had no idea exactly what I had been through. Uh, they had no idea the, uh, you know, all the, 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 the crazy moments that I had been through to get back to that spot. Right. I was just this random kid that random guy that, you know, somewhat semi-veteran who came from uh, Mexico. And, you know, that was all of us. Nobody knew who the heck, uh, who the heck uh, Miguel Amarone or Joseph yeah, right. knew anything. We were just all these guys thrown together and uh, ultimately created our own success on and off the field and, 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 and created and, uh, you know, implemented and, you know, uh, intensified the game of soccer within Atlanta. And, uh, you know, I think solidified our names within the history of, of, of what Atlanta uh, sports is, is truly all about. Got it. Sounds good. Yeah, definitely very interesting. And then I guess, um, you know, and now sort of like understanding that you didn't really have like that um, awareness or like, like, you know, like, I guess it's like, like knowledge about just like Atlanta and like, you know, their soccer crafts, whatever going in. I'm wondering, so after that inaugural 2017 season, um, 2018 comes around, y'all move from Bobby Dodd to playing in the Mercedes Benz stadium. 
was it a shock to you at first or like like the crowds of 70,000 and like this big MLS atmosphere that you see like did you sort of expect that and was the hype there like what was your initial reaction to that we actually we actually moved to the Mercedes-Benz still in the 2017 season oh was it 20 oh sorry okay got you yeah yeah, yeah. I, I scored one of the goals in the inauguration against uh, the Red Bull or no, sorry against FC Dallas FC Dallas right yeah, so that was in 2017. I believe it was in August of 2017 or ju- end of July or August. Um, I believe gotcha. it was my birthday. So that was, that was a good early birthday present. Um, <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, so it was, uh, you know, I think both atmospheres were absolutely um, amazing. Yeah. I think when we walked out for Bobby Dodd, I think each and every one of us, and I feel like I told every podcast or every uh, reporter that we had absolutely no idea what to expect. Um, none of us, you know, I think walking around the Atlanta uh, city and and having people say, you know, we have waited so long for this. We have, you know, everybody is so on board with this. We just thought to ourselves, yeah, you know, to hell with it. They'll, 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 <laughs> they'll be there for the first game. And then after a few months, it'll die down. Right. Like every yeah. other in, uh, within the States. Um, but it's, it's held strong and it's really uh, I think, I think, you know, obviously I think the success allowed uh, it to do that as well with, with, with us just really, um, having a, a special connection, not only with fans on the field, but I think off the field as well, just, just, you know, um, connecting with the community in so many various ways, uh, allowed us, like I said, to solidify our names within the history of what Atlanta sports has to offer. Um, and, and I think that will be remembered forever. Gosh. Yeah, no, definitely very interesting. And, you know, so it, it, I guess it's pretty wild to hear about like, you know, the difference in like perception of like, you know, what, to, what you expect on the pitch and like what actually happens and things like that. So, you know, definitely very cool to hear. And then, so after your like, you know, their inaugural season there, um, it's 2018, I guess like there's like a bit more um, momentum behind Atlanta, but people don't really know what to expect in terms of like the season result, I guess. Um, I think that 2017 season, we lost to like Columbus crew and penalties at the Benz and playoffs, I believe. Right. Yep. So, yeah, okay. Yep. So, so I guess, so I guess my next question is, so 2018 rolls around the vibe around the team is good. Like y'all did good. And, you know, it's expected you do well, but not necessarily to win. What was your sort of initial thoughts that season? Like, did you think that you guys would be like a title contender? Did you think that you'd be better than last season? Or what was the vibe around that team at that point? Yeah, I'll have to disagree with you in that very first part. I think we were sure. expected. I think we were expected to, to win, win the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think after that 2017 season rolled around, we understood the capacity and the, the capability of what we had within the locker room. Uh, I think when we got to preseason in 2018, we all looked at each other and we said, we have to win this whole damn thing. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, I think uh, I think we knew we knew the talent, we knew the bond, we knew the camaraderie, we knew the chemistry, we knew how well we played together, how well we gelled together. Um, mm-hmm. I think Tata knew that as well. And so, sure. um, when you have all the moving pieces and, and all the missing puzzle pieces that that are there, um, even from the get go within 2017, I think we added some good depth within 2018 that allowed us to have that even uh, more success and. Um, you know, I think there were some key components and key players added to that 2018 roster that really made the difference. But, uh, you know, I think that was that was essentially it. That was uh, for us. I think in the very beginning, we knew we knew what we were capable of. We knew we should have uh, we should have made it as far as we did. And I think when we won the whole thing, I never would have imagined it. Um, but but I think I think ultimately all of us knew um, that we were capable of that from the very beginning. Gosh, you know, that one's very interesting for me to hear because it's like, you know, from like the fan perspective itself, it's like, I remember beginning of that season, like 
for me, it's like very different. It's like, you know, every season I'll start like, like I'm at Lane United and I'm a Real Madrid fan. Right. So every season I start off, it's like, oh, neither team wins a trophy. Like it's like, you know, it's done. It's devastating. Like it's the worst thing that can happen. But I guess like my like I was just curious about like, you know, in the locker room, is it sort of like for that season, especially was it like, oh, like we got to go out there and just like win this thing? Or like, did you think that you were underrated? But, you know, it's definitely very cool to see that. I'll ask you you this. Have you seen have you seen a same Atlanta United team since that 2018 season? Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) And it it makes a lot of sense. There's there's your answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. No, that's very cool to hear as well. And then, okay, so I guess, you know, we sort of like got into like, you know, the beginning of that season, how like everything sort of like strung together and the end product that it ended in. Um, one thing I'm curious about about that season is that like, you know, definitely like I was a senior in high school during that. So it was sort of like the peak of my Atlanta United, like, you know, watching phases. Cause like, you know, in school, it's hard to like get the time and things like that. But back then it was like every single game in and out. I remember like the end of the season, I think that we were in contention for like, um, the supporter shield maybe, but we had lost, like, I think our last game of the season, we had lost to three nail. Yeah. To Toronto. Right. Who was not doing well that season. Yeah. And I remember because like my father and I had watched that game together and it was we were very concerned because we were like, is this like when the, where the turning point is? Is this where like a team that was like destined to be favorites, destined to win, sort of gets overconfident and like, you know, like, you know, it ends up not working out. Or like, I guess what, like, what I'm trying to ask is after that 3-0 Toronto game, you guys are heading into playoffs. What's the um, you know adjustment it takes in terms of mentality to sort of get off a loss like that and be like, you know what, that's not us. We can go like win this thing. I think with that, if we would have won that game in Toronto, we wouldn't have won the MLS Cup. Wow. Interesting. Uh, I think that loss really helped us understand that we were human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, we 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 had to turn that page as quickly as possible and focus on the next opportunity that was at hand um, that was right in front of our faces. And we knew the uh you know, we, we, we knew the magnitude of that opportunity um, when it was, when it was handed to us. And I think losing that game and, and losing the supporter shield really allowed us to focus on something that was um, essentially more important. Right. Um, at the end of the day, nobody, nobody will remember that New York Red Bull won the supporter shield that season. Everybody yeah, true. who won the MLS cup. So, um, you know, I think for us, that was, that was key. That was essential. Um, to our success and, and losing that last game to Toronto. Got you. Definitely makes sense. And then, you know, I guess it's tr- just to transition into like the final phase of your career. Um, you know, LA United wins the MLS Cup. It's like a legendary season, one that, you know, we'll definitely remember for- forever. Um, you closed out your season with, like, with a couple of years in FC Cincinnati, which is another new expansion team, pretty exciting fan base. Uh, I guess the results haven't necessarily been there yet, but lots of potential in the city and lots of passion there as well. Um, I'm wondering, so after you spent 2017 and 2018 in Atlanta United going to Cincinnati, was it sort of like the same case where it's like, you know, another opportunity just go in and get the job done? Or did you sort of have like an awareness of like what the fan base like there was like, like, did you sort of have like a background of Cincinnati as well? Or what was the transition to there? I had absolutely no idea. Yeah, no <laughs> idea. I knew they were a soccer city. I had seen what sure. the success that they had within the USL, yeah. um, but it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, you, 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 you live and learn with, with all different environments and atmospheres that you're placed in. Um, you know, I, I truly wish the best for, excuse me, Cincinnati in the future. Um, but, you know, I think um, at the end of the day, those initial decisions of bringing us in, um, of all the guys that were brought in, just I don't think there was too much of a plan that was made around it. Um, you know, I think it was more, so, got to get this going as quickly as possible. And, 
Um, you know, I think that chemistry and that gelling and all these different things that make a successful team or a team that's even can be mid table. It just wasn't, wasn't thought up clearly. Um, and, uh, I think that was where, that was where, um, you know, I think they're finally over that learning curve to where they're understanding, okay, these are the, these are the types of, um, plans that we have to have in play. These are the, this is the, this is the uh, story that we have to write from the very get go. And I think, um, you know, being one of those veteran guys and I mean, even going into Tijuana, I was into Tijuana when they were in their inaugural first two seasons as well. So um, I had had that success in winning a championship in Mexico and being an inaugural team. And then also that success when being in, in Atlanta and, and, and winning with an inaugural team. Um, so I think they brought me on in Cincinnati thinking, okay, this guy's the inaugural team champion, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he starts a team, he wins a championship. And, um, you know, That's I think funny. there are so many different components and factors that play a role um, into creating that success, whether with, whether it's a little bit of luck or just, you know, knowingness of, of, of what type of soccer that wants to be played and all these different things that play such a huge role. And I think there were just a couple of missing pieces uh, that were there and, and I think they've finally figured it out, but um, yeah, it was an awesome opportunity. It was great to play in front of that fan base as well. Um, I think Atlanta will always be close to my heart. This is where I retired. This is where my kids are. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this, this is a place to where, um, you know, I, I will always feel a certain connection, still walk the streets and get recognized today or yeah. whatever it may be. Like I said, I think all of us guys that played a part of that 2017, 2018 team, uh, I think we have truly, solidified our names and, and, and with, within pride and, and not whatsoever in any ego state whatsoever. But um, I think within pr the pride of what this city stands for uh, and breaking the curse of what Atlanta stands for, yeah. um, <laughs> paving that pathway for the Braves and hopefully for the Falcons one day. Um, yeah. But I think it started, it started with us. And I think, uh, you know, that's, that's the beauty of, of, of the connection that you make um, and, and leaving a pretty cool legacy in certain places. And um, same thing for me within Tijuana, I think I'll always have uh, something special there. I still have houses there. Still have tons of great friends, um, you know, within the city of that city of Mexico, and it'll always play a special place in my heart. I think wherever I go there, if I go every time I go back and go to a certain restaurant and still see the same people, they will always have that that certain uh, admiration or that certain connection with you because that's what will always be remembered within that city. And uh, you know, I think even with the 2012 Tijuana team that we had. Tijuana has never had the exact same team that that 2012 yeah. team was. And that team won a championship. And I think it's the exact same thing with the 28 team here in Atlanta. Um, you, you, you create that connection, not only with the fans off the field, but also with the community off the field. Um, and, and, and that's what makes it a, a beautiful story at the end of the day. Awesome. No, yeah, definitely is a beautiful story. And, you know, we've gone through like all the aspects of your career, the beginning, um, the Liga MX portions, Europe, MLS. And, you know, I definitely do want to get into sort of, you know, the projects that you're working on post-career now, because it's definitely, you know, very interesting related to Atlanta as well. Before we do that, I guess I did have one question that I was just very curious about. So you brought up this, like, you know, the 2012 Apertura that you won with Tijuana, and then there's also the 2018 MLS Cup. I'm not going to necessarily ask you to choose, like, you know, one or the other, because I know that they're, like, you know, both trophies or close to whatever, but I am curious, um, which one do you think was more difficult than the other? Like, you brought up that this Atlanta United trophy that you, like, you and the lads and the, and the locker room sort of, like, were like, oh, we got to do it. Was it the same vibe around 2012 with Tijuana, you'd say, or no? Not at all. We were probably the least amount of – the least favorites within that whole entire league. Uh, wow. trophy. And I think that was crazy special um, that we had a lot of – we had a bunch of rejects on the team. We had a bunch of guys that were unsuccessful in other teams that were loaned out that you know nobody really wanted. 
uh, all these different things that, you know, uh, nobody really, you know, everybody wrote us off on paper, um, you know, and, and I think that's what made it so special and in, in, in conquering that championship. Um, I always tell people, you know, people always ask me which one is better. Um, <laughs> I was more involved with Atlanta United. I was, sure. I was, I was probably one of more of, of the, you know, one of those role players that, that played a bigger role within Atlanta United. I didn't play as much um, in that year uh, that we won the championship in Tijuana, even though I played a pivotal role in one of our goals that led us to the semifinals. Um, but, but at the same time, uh, you know, I think seeing, seeing a parade in Atlanta was absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. Yeah so many cool things about it um but i have never lived a moment of what i lived in tijuana um of, of what that city stood for um you know and anybody says tijuana the only thing they think of is narcos and what they watch on yeah. i'm sure um but that 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 team that's soccer within that city cleaned up that city um and wow. it gave it gave people something to dream for it gave something people uh, it gave something to people to really grab onto and, and use as, you know, not only a passion, but with desire and love and just really brought a city together in the best way possible when there was so much negativity around that city. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that I had never seen a city so connected to a team in general, and it doesn't have to mean that it was soccer, baseball, basketball, whatever it may be. Um, even within the United States, but when when we had that uh when we had that championship within Mexico, I think uh you know it was it was just uh it was something that I've never experienced before in my life, um and I don't I don't think I'll ever experience that again, um of getting of getting landing from Toluca into Tijuana um at like two a.m. in the morning and you know the whole entire I mean you could see the people while landing uh, at the airport you could see the magnitude wow, of the whole entire city you know, uh, red, red fireworks going off as you were landing, you know, in the plane. Um, and then going, you know, 3am in the morning and driving a bus to the stadium, but with millions, and I say millions, because I honestly think there were millions of people there. Um, you know, and just, you know, whatever the population of Tijuana is, I have absolutely no idea what the population of all of Tijuana and the surroundings of Tijuana and San Diego and all those people, the, the Mexican Americans and all these different people that it brought together. Um, whatever that is, whatever that population is, I can guarantee you there's not a one single person that was not there. Um, so at three, at 3 a.m. in the morning, right. Um, oh. so, you know, it's, 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 that's something for me. And then we, we paraded for the next three days. Um, and that city was completely, you know, it stopped. Nobody worked, nobody did anything for the next three days. It was just a huge party. Um, and I've never experienced anything like that, um, ever again in my life. So, um, there was a difference of magnitude within winning. It was such a sweet, special sensation here in Atlanta, because I think I played such a, a, a bigger part um, in, in that in that success. But uh, being a part of something that really um, transformed a city. Um, and, uh, you know, there's all, there's obviously a documentary um, of Club Tijuana yep. that you can always watch. Uh, that's that's a great documentary of, of what that of what soccer does, um, you know, for for that city. Gotcha. Yeah, no, those are definitely I think like my favorite stories associated with football, are just like, you know, especially in places like South America, my dad would tell me growing, growing up in India, just like the soccer rivalries they had there growing up. It's like, it really is the lifeblood and the, what keeps people going in some cities. Like it's like the only hope that's there and it can truly change whether it's like the socioeconomic political status, like 
like, you know, stuff like that's always going to be, you know, very bad, but the game itself just like brings people together in such a unique way that, you know, seeing the passion there. And like, you know, I've seen like one Mexican national team game in my life against Panama, the passion that's just there is just so different. It's like, it's nothing like I've seen in my life. So, you know, definitely very interesting to hear. So, you know, I've obviously already had you on for, you know, a while so far, we talked about your whole career before we close out with the back four quiz. I did want to like, you know, get you to sort of touch on uh, beyond goals, mentoring and the project that you've been working on post-career. So I guess just to like bring it up real quick. So, um, I know after your career, uh, you and the um, cap- captain of Atlanta United during that 2018 season, Michael Parkhurst, have started Beyond um, uh, Goals Mentoring to sort of help the youth and like, uh, is it just in Atlanta or is it in like Columbus as well? No, it's 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 all over the United States. Oh, so the United do, States. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we do everything virtually. Um, okay. So we, we focus more so on the mental aspect of what the game provides, sure. um, whether it's, you know, uh, just helping kids, you know, ultimately reach their full potential. Um, and understanding not necessarily responsibilities, the accountabilities that are needed uh, to continuously create their success, uh, but also the mental strength aspect of it, the confidence, the leadership skills, the uh, adapting to different environments, the uh, understanding your roles, how you can contribute, um, you know, being a good teammate, all these different um, traits and qualities that really make a successful player on the field. Um, and, and I think we look at you know, we look throughout our whole entire careers and we understand we understood that was the consistent part, right? That I said that was the consistent part of our careers was always being those top pros, those top professionals. And so many kids these days, whether they have the opportunity that's at their hands uh, or, or at their feet, um, the world is at their feet. And unfortunately, they make all the wrong decisions or they they don't understand those responsibilities or those little tips and guidances or ideas to, to continuously help them be successful. And um, that's why we have that idea of, of helping these young kids understand that if that opportunity or that door of opportunity is, is open one day that they are able to grab onto it and, and not let go, but use these tips and ideas to continuously be successful over and over again. And, and ultimately we, we look at it, you know, we say, okay, these, these lessons or these guides, these, these are ultimately going to help these kids use these certain things, not only within soccer, right? We can talk percentages. We can talk about what the percentage of certain kids making it pro is, um, but more so just these, these qualities and these traits and these different little uh, assets and, and that these people can, that these kids can add on to their lives that will ultimately help them be successful in whatever it is that they choose to do, um, whether it is in economics or whether it is whatever you want to be, right? Yeah, um, sure. You know, or what is it, an accountant? What do you want to, what do you truly want to be? I want to go into consulting, but dream job oh. in the future, U.S. soccer, MLS, something okay. in there. <laughs> there you go, man, right? So, yeah. you know, you're going to have to learn how what, what it means to work in a team environment. You're going to have to learn what, sure. it, what, you know, what it is to be a great leader if you have to speak in front of people or you have to, you know, uh, guide people to certain, you know, things. And being a great captain, such as Michael Parkhurst, was um, the best captain that I have ever had in my career. So um, certain qualities that I think, great pros uh, and traits that great pros take in the longevity of their careers throughout the longevity of their careers. And um, I think Michael and I were, were two of those pros that did that. And, uh, you know, I think now being able to pass that down to the next generation of kids that have those opportunities and understand these traits and qualities will really allow them to continue to create the success, whether it is off the field or on the field um, and in such different various ways. Yeah, no, I definitely like love the way you said that. And, you know, it's interesting you bring it up because it's like, you know, even just through the podcast and getting people's experience in soccer, along with like, you know, people's like career experiences in other area, the one, you know, main constant, and you even mentioned it earlier, but like just the idea of mentorship, having someone older there, you can sort of guide you. It's, you know, so important. And, you know, I definitely think it's amazing what you guys are doing. And yeah, I, I, I love the cause and, you know, 
definitely great to see. So I guess, you know, before we close out and go to the back four quiz, um, how, I know it's been like, you know, the first few months of like, you know, the introductory process of the organization. I know that you guys have been going very strong. What's like the near future for Beyond Goals looking like? Like what's like the state of like, like the organization right now? What, what the kind of like new things do you expect to be doing in the next few months, if anything? Like what's that going on? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We, uh, you know, for us, it's, it's been awesome. We did not expect uh, this initial success as it's been right now. We, we oversee close to 100 kids um, that individually. We work with a ton of different high school teams. Uh, we work with a lot of different clubs within Atlanta, within the United States. Um, we have recently joined a nonprofit um, and partnered with a nonprofit called the ATLYO, which is the Atlanta Youth Organization. Um, and we will begin to start to mentor kids, uh, maybe with lesser opportunities or lesser income communities um, that, that truly need that guidance, that, that uh, you know, uh, underprivileged kids that, that, that don't have that same opportunity to be uh, guided in, 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 in the most correct ways or have that certain family structure and still have such a God-given talent, but need those correct people in their corner um, to, to guide them wherever it is within their careers or wh whatever it is in life in general. So um, that, that is probably our next step in, 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 in finding, uh, you know, right sponsorships and finding the right uh, grants and, 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 and other help from uh, larger corporations to start helping these kids within the Atlanta region, especially um, that have that God-given talent to still create opportunities for themselves in the future. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds good. Definitely appreciate the in-depth answer there. So yeah, we've talked about how you got started in your career, your actual career, what you did post-soccer as well. As I said before the podcast, there's one way that we end up every episode and that's with the back four quiz. Very simple, just four questions related to your career. Um, none of them seem too difficult, I think. Um, a couple of them maybe, but like we'll, maybe we'll give you a little bit of help on those. But other than that, yeah, just four questions. We'll go in order and um, I'll ask you that. You'll give the answer. should be pretty self-explanatory. Uh, you good to get started with that? Sure, yeah. All right, perfect. Let's do it. Okay, so question number one. I don't know if this is something that players really remember often, but your first uh, senior contact uh, contract, like after U19, uh, your first senior contract for S3 O'Priya, do you remember the month and year of that? And we can give you like a margin of error of a couple months when you first received it? Yeah. Uh, so once again, I think my first professional contract, I was just about to be 17, yep. even though I never debuted with sporting. Um, yep. So that was probably in, I want to say that was probably in January of 2008. Um, and that time with Estoril was going to be in probably is going to be in, let's see. I'm going to say May, no, not May, probably June, July. I mean, that's when the, the season probably started, uh, June, July of 2000, and let's say most likely 2010. Yeah, you got it within the margin of error. On Wikipedia, it says August of 2010 is when you got the first uh, two-year contract for the club. So awesome. well done. Off yep. to a strong start, one for one, three more. Okay, so question number two. Your first goal for um, Tijuana, do you remember the opposition of that game? My first goal for Tijuana. Yeah. Yes, was against uh, Santos. Yup, that's right. There we go. Santos Laguna, 2-2 two -two draw. It was 2-2, two -two, yeah. Uh, I scored, and I want to say Chango Alfredo Moreno scored in that game as well. Uh, you might be able to check that. I don't know. 
Awesome. Yeah, no, I can actually check that. No, that's crazy. You do the who scored that in that game as well. It could have been Chango as well, but uh, I can tell you. I don't know. <laughs> no, regardless, hey, two for two, you're off to a flyer. Um, yes, Santos Laguna is the correct answer. So we're two for two. We'll see if there's two more. We'll see if you can go 100%. This okay. next one, I think, is a little bit more difficult. We'll give you like a margin of error of five, let's say. But okay. this is an Atlanta United question. So over the course of 2017 and 2018, how many total appearances did you have for Atlanta United, would you guess? In 2017? 2017 and 18. So so both together. Oh, man. <laughs> how many total appearances did I have? And I was injured quite a bit. So I'm going to go with like... I'm going to go with like 45 in total. 45 is just outside the margin of error. The answer is 37. So <laughs> almost there, almost there. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> no worries. Okay, so two for three. Last question. We'll see if you can uh, close it out on a strong note. So, okay, for this one, is actually related to your um, U.S. Uh, national team senior squad time. Mm -hmm. So who was your uh, day or, or, um, first international cap against yeah that's something any 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 person would always remember man it was against peter check yep yep there it is yep september 3014 i think yeah definitely i believe Perfect. thomas Zitsky was still playing in that game too man so he was, was yep yeah. yep 2014 classic but yeah three for four strong performance greg i definitely appreciate you coming on it was very interesting learning about your career the ups and downs what you're doing after the game and yeah just Coming from an Atlanta fan, thank you so much for the time you spent in our year, the you know, yeah. involvement in the community post-game. It really does mean a lot. And you know, definitely very cool to see from someone who grew up in this state and remembers when like I was the only kid in my entire school who liked soccer and things like that. It's just completely different now. So oh man, yeah, it's John's Creek is a is a is a, is a melting pot for you know, a yeah, pot for uh for uh soccer nowadays, man. So awesome. Definitely is, but yeah, appreciate the time. Thank you so much for everything, and yeah, Sounds thanks good. again. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to the On Soccer podcast. Be sure to check us out on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at On Soccer Podcast. And check out our YouTube videos as well. Thanks.